0: Good day, gladiators. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Sword and Shield. This is Frances Martinez, Director of Psychological Health for the 960th Cyberspace Wing. And I have a very special guest on the phone joining me today.
1: Good morning. My name is Valerie Martinez.
0: Valerie Martinez. Well, I know you as Captain Martinez. Oh, yes.
1: We're revealing all of that. So, So, yes, I am the active duty Air Force Captain type. (laughs) <laughs> and tell our
0: listeners a little bit of uh, where you're calling from.
1: Absolutely. So by trade, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I currently work as a psychotherapist in an outpatient clinic setting, specifically here in San Antonio at the Lackland um, Mental Health Clinic. Um, mm-hmm. I've been active duty practicing social worker for about five years now. Um but pre-military, pre-military briefly worked with kiddos in foster care and at-risk youth, stepping down from juvenile detention. But most of my years have been spent working with adults struggling with mental health and addiction issues. Um, I spent about two and a half years working at a substance rehab facility in Hawaii and three years working with severely mentally ill population at an inpatient psychiatric facility in Sacramento prior to commissioning. So that's a little bit about... Um, my background and um, my lens that I'll be talking
0: through today. Yeah, so you have a wealth of knowledge, and we appreciate you joining us today to talk about, um, so March is Self-Harm or Self-Injury um, Awareness Month, and uh, it's something that, you know, we've talked about in the past on one of our podcasts, so we just want to have a different perspective um, on what it is and what it's not. Um, and then, for those that are uh, struggling with uh, self injurious behaviors, how to get help or how to get someone else help, that you are recognizing the signs and symptoms uh, for these for these maladaptive or unhealthy behaviors.
1: Absolutely no I'm glad we're having this conversation because there's often a misconception of. We can say non-suicidal self-directed violence in this world or more commonly self-injury or self-harm, right? And I think it's important to talk openly about these behaviors because it does thrive off of shame and feelings of isolation. So it forces people who do self-harm into hiding rather than seeking appropriate help. So kind of talking through that um, with our audiences is, is um, an important conversation, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so to really talk about it what it is. I mean, a lot of people associate self-harm behaviors, um, as a mental health issue, and it really is not a mental health issue. It is a behavioral issue. Um, but generally linked to certain types of, you know, diagnoses. So I think that's like one of the first misconceptions that we have, you know, uh, when people are, um, Coping in these in these uh in these ways. Absolutely. Yes. It's more of um
1: it's more of consistent with folks who do have mental health, but it's not a mental health disorder, albeit it can be, but that's a whole different conversation.
0: Right. Um and so some of the common things that we generally will see are cutting hitting, burning, biting oneself. I mean, there's other things, you know, hair pulling. Um, some people even consider like eating disorders as a form of um, self-harm. So, I mean, there there's a wide, uh, wide range of ways that people are actually um, harming. Definitely.
1: So lots of forms of self-injury. You know, I think cutting, like you said, is the most commonly associated with the term, but, but there's definitely... Um, things as severe as stabbing oneself, right, carving words or symbols onto one's skin, self hitting, punching, uh, head banging—like it, it just goes on and on. Um, and, and most frequently, it, it you know these injuries are to the arms, the legs, in the front of the torso. Those are the most common targets, but really any area of. The body may be used. And like you were saying, it, it does come in different guises, right? Yes, those are form of uh, self-injuries, but disordered eating, under eating, overeating, misusing substances, sexual promiscuity, right?
0: Absolutely. And, you know, when we think about self-harm, you know, it's a lot of people would think that someone is automatically suicidal right? They see someone that, that has, you know, scars on their arms or, you know, active or actively cutting that they automatically think, okay, this person is going to kill themselves. So now what? And that is a, a, another big myth when it comes to self-harm.
1: Yes. Um, it, 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 it's usually viewed as, oh, this is a suicide attempt, right? And, and, I, I want to caution, yes, it could indicate and it could increase the risk of suicidality, um, but but to speak to what you're saying, it definitely is a, more of a maladaptive, um, har- harmful coping behavior.
0: Yeah, and we talk about, you know, what leads to behaviors like this? What is self-harm and what causes it? Um one of the things I hear frequently, you know, I, I've had a history working at a psychiatric facility for about six years and, and talking to, uh, some of the patients, it's just really a release, right? I feel numb. I have no ways of coping with what I'm dealing with. And this really is a way to activate those endorphins makes me feel better. Makes me feel like a release, um, and, you know, some people will have a very difficult time understanding that, especially parents of children um, that that are self-harming.
1: No, absolutely. I, I like to speak to what you're saying about the release, uh, and, and this is speaking to. It's complex. There's many reasons as to why someone might engage in these behaviors, right, and and top to really poor coping skills and difficulty in managing these emotions. And and while self-injury may bring that momentary sense of calm and release of tension, it's usually followed by guilt and shame and return of those same painful emotions. Um, So... Other things, right, Um, managing, like I said, just the difficulty of managing intense feelings of anger, frustration, sadness, hopelessness, Um, it's also a way to communicate, show others how they feel if they don't quite have the words, and and I want to stay away from attention seeking, right, Mm because that kind of has that um, negative
0: connotation.
1: Yeah, that negative connotation, um, and, and so I want to want to more um, focus on hey, no, this is a cry and ask for help, and we don't know any other way how to do this. Um, other other reasons is to have some control over their body and then in their environment because everything else um, is, is is typically perceived to be chaos, right, or out of their control, mm-hmm. um, and then also
0: people do it to punish themselves. Mhm. Absolutely there's there's different things that, you know, we we don't know what people are going through sometimes and uh ways that they are coping um with just life in general, right? Or whatever stressors or distress that they they have. Um, and so it's it's really important for us to recognize what these signs and symptoms are. I think one of the first things that we can talk about, um, generally speaking, and again, this is very general information, right? Um, generally, we're looking at adolescent females between the ages of 11 and 17 that are actively going to be participating in self-injurious behaviors, Um, And it can creep into early adulthood, right? Through the college years. Um, It's very rare that, or uncommon, let me say, that it continues on through um, adulthood.
1: Correct, right. Um, uh, uh, I mean, there's always exemptions to the rule, but if we're thinking statistically and target populations, you hit the nail on the head. um, and, And, you know, I have seen and treated folks outside of, of that kind of range. But, um, but it's important to kind of know, hey, this is a target population as we're looking for and symptoms.
0: Yeah. Um, and so with that, right, we want to educate pay- parents or caregivers like what are we really looking for um, when it comes to you know these types of behaviors I think one of the things that always kind of stands out for me is the isolation part, right? Getting your teens really to open up. Um, and I think it's challenging already because we are in a you know, community where everyone has cell phones, everyone's locked in their room, gaming or talking or social media. Um, so that's the, the first challenge and are they really isolating or are they really just being a teenager?
1: Um, So um, to kind of speak towards that, you know, this is very general symptoms to look out for. Um, Typically scars, right, often in patterns, Um, fresh cuts, scratches, bruises, bite marks, or other wounds. Um, Excessive rubbing, rubbing of an area to create a burn. Um, Just having sharp objects in hand or accessible, and this is a big one, right? Wearing long sleeves or long pants, even in hot weather, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, frequent reports of accidental injuries is another kind of symptom, Um, statements of helplessness, hopelessness, worthlessness. I know that's kind of warning signs and that has an overlap with suicidal ideations, but but those are pretty frequently seen associated with self-interest behavior.
0: Yeah, and I think as parents, the first step is really to be engaged with your children, right? Um, Getting it to know who their friends are, what they're doing, what they're involved in, um, what social media apps they're on and and kind of monitoring those things. Because a lot of the times people will put like little glimpses of what's going on with them out there. And you just have to sometimes be persistent and you know understand what they're what they're talking about you know be hip right be in the know uh what some of this verbiage is so you can be the first line of defense and help your children um get through these these challenging times
1: no i absolutely um i think more importantly to add to that is that you know um when when you we learn about that our kiddo, loved one, or airman or friend might be um, self-injuring, you may be shocked and scared, and sometimes our visceral reactions um, can be off-putting to to those who self-injure. So I think um, a more effective response is being present, right, offering space um, for your person Uh, To be open, honest, and vulnerable with you because the minute they perceive that they are judged or doing something wrong, typically folks shut down, they withdraw, they isolate, which allows the cycle of maladaptive coping to continue. So it's important, I think, to come from a place of curiosity and empathy to encourage that transparency and honesty.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as as a person that is intervening, right, that's a very strong word. But just, again, being curious and and talking to to people, it's just really stating what you see, not what you think. Right. Hey, I saw that you made this post or, hey, I saw that, you know, you had a couple cuts on your arms and asking about that versus like, what are you doing? Or I think you're doing this. I, and that can be that challenge, especially with parents that, you know, are dealing with challenging teenagers um, or, you know, just being. Being a parent is difficult in itself, right? And sometimes we can be a little bit overbearing, but asking it appropriately and opening the door for these conversations and, and kind of, you know, seeing where it goes is, is probably your best option.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think just kind of creating space for for that openness so that you, that to encourage our person to get the appropriate help.
0: Yeah. And then there are the parents that oh I find out you know this kid is doing this right because you might hear it from your own your own kid and then you worry that your kid is going to start doing the same thing um, and there's that's twofold right because I've heard yes you know they're more inclined and then I've also heard no that they're you know it's not the the contagion that we hear about and so it's for me it's hard to say yes or no i think it's just dependent on the person um and their own vulnerabilities um but you know just being able if you're if your child is talking about someone at school is doing you know these things you know being comfortable and, and reaching out and you know getting that that kid help um or that person help if it's at work um, again it's not always our kids that we're focusing on um but again, it's just generalizing this information.
1: Right, and so kind of speaking towards that, I think it's kind of, if you want, let's let's kind of check in about what are kind of common um, interventions or treatment um, that are typically offered once we get um, folks who self-harm help. Um, I can start with DBT, right? Dialectical Behavioral Therapy of uh, being um, one, it's a cognitive behavioral therapy that is, um, it's like a, the main goal is to teach people how to live in the moment, develop healthy ways to cope with stress and regulate their emotions and improve relationships with others, right? So mm-hmm. it, it, it has different skills training for distress tolerance and emotional reg- regulation, which really targets replacement behaviors, Um, for those maladaptive behaviors we often see
0: with those who self-harm. Yeah, when we talk about, you know, CBT, the cognitive behavioral therapies, we're really focusing on the thought process, then how it's um, really affecting our behaviors. And so sometimes it's challenging those negative thoughts, right? And um, replacing them with healthier thoughts or, you know, challenging those distortions. Because sometimes, right, our own perceptions are our truth. And sometimes it's not really what's going on. It's how we are viewing how things are going on in this world. And so it's really, you know, being able to challenge those thoughts and then have the, the appropriate behaviors, right? Uh, or positive behaviors, not necessarily appropriate, but positive behaviors, and replacing that, um, re- replacing those negative, those negative behaviors.
1: Yes, and, and those are definitely the top two use in, in, in psychotherapy, um, and, and um, so it's encouraged that when somebody we do learn that um, someone we love, or an airman, or our kiddo, um, might be.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what does help really look like? And, and, you know, it looks different for everyone, right? So um, if you're a listener and, you know, you recognize this is going on in in one of your kids, definitely take them to a local mental health professional, um, have them assessed and then go through and uh, follow through with whatever recommended treatment um, options that are available Um, if you are, you know, active duty, it's a little bit different, right? We want to, um, go and, and have an intake or triage, um, at some of the, the local mental health, uh, treatment facilities that are available to you. Um, and then reservists, you know, we, we have challenges with reservists determining are you on orders? Are you not on orders? So my uh, for my listeners that are gladiators, please reach out to me. We'll funnel you to the right place um, and get you the appropriate help, depending on your status and uh, what's available in your local area.
1: Absolutely. And, and just to encourage that, Hey, if this is something beyond waiting to get help for nearest emergency room, right? Yeah. and disposition or triage and disposition for for the best follow-up plan.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, you know, again, just recognizing what's happening, being aware um, as leaders, right? You know, most of us are back to work 100%. And so this is really the time to re-engage with your folks and find out what's going on with them. Uh, personally, and, uh, in the work environment, it's a better opportunity to get eyes on and make some interventions, um, or have these interventions if necessary. So, um, we are, you know, really focused on staying connected and this is just the way to do that, right? Just relationship building, building that rapport. Definitely
1: step one.
0: Definitely step one. So Captain Martinez, I want to thank you so much for joining us um, this this morning or this day for um, our discussion on self-harm awareness. Um, Gladiators, if you have any challenges uh, with self-harm or just anything behavior-wise, please reach out to me. I'm always available. Um, If I'm not the appropriate person, then I will point you in the right direction or get you help in your local area. Doesn't matter what status you are in. Um, As always, our National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, so the hotline, um, if you or a friend or a loved one um, are contemplating suicide, uh, please reach out to them, 800-273-8255, or go to your local emergency room. Well, again, thank you, Captain Martinez, for joining us. It was a pleasure uh, discussing this uh, topic with you today.
1: Thank you for having me. I think it's definitely important to have these conversations.
0: Absolutely. And uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening in on this episode and stay tuned for another Gladiators out.